Welcome to The Body Nerd Show. I'm your host, Alexandra Ellis, and after a decade in the fitness industry, I've finally cracked the code on how you can build sustainable strength without getting hurt. I'm a coach, writer, yogi, kettlebell devotee, lover of lifting heavy things, and 100% a body nerd. So stick with me, and I'll teach you how to make body maintenance and movement mastery a fundamental part of your wellness routine. Are you ready? Let's do this. Welcome back. You're listening to episode 168 of The Body Nerd Show. On today's episode, I'm talking about soreness and specifically what causes soreness and research-backed ways to lessen the effects of delayed onset muscle soreness, also known as DOMS, the difference between massage guns and foam rollers, and how much you actually need to roll or use your massage gun to feel a benefit. Today, I'm really excited to be joined by a fellow body nerd from across the pond, Jack Martin. And he's a coach, educator, and sports science consultant who's on a mission to close the gap between published research and applied practice. And that's something that I also try to do, take the research and put it into something that we can actually use to move better and feel better. And I found his work when I was doing research for episode 126, all about massage guns. And he had done a total deep dive review into all of the literature out there on massage guns. It's not a surprise. They do work. It's pretty sweet. And so I sent him a message on Instagram to thank him for his research. And he told me that his next paper was going to be all about recovery. That was like, okay, come on, let's book this right now. And like, let's talk about it because it's so in line with what we are trying to do here on the Body Nerd Show, right? Of moving better and feeling better. So in our conversation today, and also in his paper that I will link to in the show notes, he talks about what causes DOMS or delayed onset muscle soreness. You're going to hear him say, that a number of times throughout the episode. So this refers to that increase in muscle soreness that happens after you exercise. And it's totally normal and to be expected when you push your body, but it also can impact your performance in your next day's training, whether that's, you know, another workout or you're just like trying to get through your day and your legs feel totally trashed. And as you know, I am a fan of not having pain, including the totally to be expected, not so bad types of pain like soreness. But again, when you can move well, you can move better. And when you can move better, you can feel better. So I'm excited to learn more and for you also to learn more about soreness and what the different interventions are and what the research says about them. So enjoy my conversation today with Jack Martin. Okay, Jack, thank you so much for joining us today. I'm really excited for how nerdy and educated we will be by the end of today's conversation. And I want to start in the same place that I always start, which is what do you like to get nerdy about? Okay, so at the moment, it's kind of DOMS related research or recovery from exercise related research, which is kind Mm -hmm. of what I'm focusing on at uni at the moment. Um, But outside of academic research, Formula One is what I like to get nerdy about. Oh my gosh, I had no idea. Okay, yes. well, that's all we're going to talk about for the okay. next the whole minutes. episode on Formula One. That's, that's good. Yes. Have you ever been to a race? Um, I have not. I've watched it as a, like an avid fan for the last couple of years, um, but I have not been to a race in person. Oh my gosh. Um, are now, I guess this would be the real question. Are you a pre-Drive to Survive fan or you also jumped on the bandwagon after okay. that Netflix So show? I started watching in 2017. Oh, wow. You're like um, a real fan. <laughs> yeah, so that's like pre-drive to survive. 
Okay. And then what about, are you, since you are in the UK, are you Mercedes and how are you feeling about Mercedes this year? So yeah, I'm a bit of a Mercedes fanboy. Um, <laughs> how am I feeling about them this year? That's a tough question. <laughs> George Russell is doing a good job. Mm-hmm. Hamilton, not so much. Mm-mm. I'm sure we'll get there. Yeah. The yeah, long season. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> for what we four races in now for a 23 race calendar. Um, yeah. They should have time to pull it around and improve the car and whether they'll actually be fighting for the championship at the end of the year, who knows? But it would be nice to see them both on the podium at some point this year. Fingers mm-hmm. crossed. I agree. I just saw, um, actually before we hopped on, on Instagram, they were doing like a factory tour and someone in the comments was like, why don't you focus on fixing the car and not making TikToks? And the guy was like, we just do the TikToks mate. I don't know what you want. Yeah. 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 I mean, they've got a lot of smart people working for them, so hopefully they can fix the issues sooner rather than later and yeah try and get back to winning i agree i mean last year i was like no lewis hamilton like i don't want you to win and now i'm like oh, i feel bad he's like not winning he's in a kind of a crappy car so i do yeah. hope that they turn it around for his yeah, sake and for ours. <laughs> yeah um out of uh, ferrari and red bull who are you backing for this year i think it would be really fun to see charles win okay for ferrari yep. because it's been so long for them but yep. i also like it feels more fun. And I'm I'm a, a Netflix bandwagon fan. Okay? okay. So I've watched like one full season and yeah. read Reddit. So I pretend I'm an expert. But like Red Bull's cool and all. Like it was fun to see Max. I was definitely cheering for Max. But I also am like, whoever wins, I'm excited for them. You know, yeah. I, I, yeah, yeah. I don't like bleed Ferrari red. Or no, that makes sense. Like that. Okay. <laughs> I'm here for it all. I'm here for yeah. the drama. Okay. Yeah, as you should be. Oh, you're here for the drama. <laughs> not, not a true fan. Netflix has, have, have persuaded you for drama. I know, but you know what? Now I'm like curious about wind tunnels and, okay. you know, like side pods and aerodynamics, all things I didn't know anything about. So yeah. if my entryway had to be the caddy drama of Netflix, that okay. is okay because now yeah. we're here. And I'll, I'll never say, you know, like, oh, I was a fan before. No, 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 fully. It was Netflix's yeah. viewing, but here okay. we are. <laughs> I mean, if you know about like wind tunnels and side pods, you must be on like the nerdy end of F1 technical, the subreddit. Okay, have a listen to F1 Beyond the Grid um, podcast. Yes, Um, occasionally. Yeah, listen to, they did an episode a few years ago with uh, James Allison, who is like the big technical director for Mercedes. Um, And that's really, really good listen. Um, But like, have a look through their episodes, because they talk to like a lot of technical people. And if you'd like to nerd out about like aero and wind tunnels and side pods for the car design. To your yeah. podcast. Um, but right. after, after well, you've listened to this episode, yes, yes. Um, go check out some F1 Beyond the Grid episodes. Yeah. Okay. I love that. Well, okay. Now that we have been fully distracted and like we need to talk more, let's talk about actually, no, I also want to start with your introduction into this research because I know that you too are into athletics and training and all of that. So, like, what's your favorite way to move your body? Um, ooh. Um, I, for the last, Probably seven years, six, seven years, I've been a keen amateur cyclist. So I am based in the UK and we have a, like a very positive racing scene, like grassroots racing scene in the UK, where in the summer period you can kind of easily race every single day of the week if you wanted to. And so I've been doing that for the last couple of years. And yeah, that's kind of my background and how I like to move my body. And is it through your cycling that your interest in, you know, recovery and DOMS or delayed onset muscle soreness, is that like where that came from? Um, yeah, I guess so. Beginning of 2021, 
I published a research paper on massage guns um, mm. as part of my undergrad degree. And then kind of the, I guess, obsession with optimizing recovery and DOMS kind of spiraled up from there. Yeah, that's probably the answer. Yeah. And actually, so episode 126 of this show, I did about massage guns. And in my research, stumped across your article. And that's how we became connected, Um, which is so awesome because there's not a ton uh, of like, you know, you brought it all together and we're looking yeah. at all the different pictures because there's a lot to like wade through. So I guess this would be the question is, do you use a massage gun? Yes or no? <laughs> I do. So I use it every single time before cycling or before any type of training. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I also use it after. Um, mm-hmm. I also use it if I've ever done like a long car journey. So like if I'm driving to a race and I've spent a couple of hours in a car, I find it's a good way to remove aches and pains and increase a little bit of mobility. Yeah. And what have you found in the research about, you know, the timing of it, like before and after, like if you use it before the athletic endeavor, the workout or whatever, um, does that also help to offset soreness? Um, So for soreness specifically, not really. So in terms of the research, there's only been a couple of papers that have looked at it. And they've mainly looked at using a foam roller pre-exercise or pre-DOMS. And it doesn't have that big of an effect when you Mm -hmm. compare it to other devices. But for increasing mobility and decreasing soreness within the session itself, they can be useful. But yeah, they're just not great at decreasing DOMS after the session. And let's actually like talk specifically about recovery because I know, I mean, even from my own background about what actually causes soreness, I've heard a wide range of reasons, but like what actually causes that delayed onset muscle soreness? And also like, how do you differentiate between that and like, you know, bad pain or like an injury or something like that? Okay. Um, So if we take the first question to begin with. What actually causes DOMS? So I, I, in your email you sent me, you said lactic acid, which is unfortunately completely wrong. Can you please go tell my high school soccer coach that he is wrong? Please and thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so um, actually, when you exercise, you basically cause small micro tears in your muscle fibers. And DOMS is kind of started, the DOMS process has started where you create a larger than normal tear within that muscle fiber. And basically your muscle can't, it doesn't have the capacity to repair itself and kind of close down that tear. And yeah, that's that's how you start the dumps process. Mm-hmm. And yet that, like those micro tears too, that's a part of building strength and improving strength. It, like yeah. It's inevitable, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. It happens every time. It's just the, the DOMS experience occurs when those micro tears become larger than normal. Um, it's mainly due to eccentric exercise. So if you think either uh, running down a hill or using a load or resistance that you're not familiar with. So if you went from, I don't know, 100 kilo back squat to 150 kilo back squat within a week, uh, obviously you're not used to that. It's a big jump in load. Um, you're going to get DOMS because your muscles just aren't used to that intensity of exercise. Mm-hmm. Now on, I'm thinking too of cycling. Um, you're going to laugh at me another, like, so I ride like a fake Peloton. Okay. <laughs> With my app in my garage. Yep. And I did, I was like riding my bike this week and I was like, I wonder if I could ride a bike outside on the street. Like, no, never mind. I'll just stay here in my garage. So the load on a bike is yep. a little bit more, 
um, controlled because, you know, you can't like jump up to like 150 kilos for like a back squat. So with your, uh, I'm just thinking of like different types of training. Um, like, is it just the endurance piece of it that creates soreness and a more like steady force load type of thing? Yeah. So it can be endurance. Um, it can also just be the intensity that you ride up. So either like going from like a moderate intensity to if you suddenly went and, I don't know, rode up a bunch of hills, um, mm-hmm. that's obviously a big difference in intensity. Um, and that can cause larger than normal micro tears within the muscle fibers. And then, yeah, that creates DOMS. Mm-hmm. Which actually too, it makes sense because I'm thinking, you know, within my own training as well of, it, I mean, it's all like adaptation, right? And like yep. what your body is used to. And when you do something that is more and not necessarily familiar, that's where you can have a greater opportunity for that soreness to occur, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's all about balance between um, creating like a stimulus to grow and adapt versus that stimulus being way too big. And then um, you either risk injury or you risk DOMS or another side effects of having a too big increase in, in load or intensity or duration of exercise. Mm hmm. Yeah, I added some sprints into the end of my workout the other day. Yep. I'm, like, I'm still sore. <laughs> I'm like, oh, God. Yeah. But it is. It's like that novelty. But also from that novelty is where we build our skill, right? Yeah. Our strength and endurance. Yeah, once you overcome the DOMS period, typically between one and two weeks, you start to see adaptations again and then improvements in performance. Mm. So if we stick with it for about two weeks, yeah. right, then we can jump to that next, like, strength plateau is what you're yeah. saying. Yeah, yeah. So, like, um, all of the recovery devices, so, like, foam rollers or vibrating foam rollers, all of those, they aim to reduce the effects of DOMS within the first kind of 24 to 96 hours. But after mm-hmm. that, as long as you stick with it, you should see some kind of return on investment, if you like, Um which is your adaptation and then gains in performance. Oh, that does, that makes perfect sense. And what about, you know, like the application of the tool, whether it's a foam roller, massage gun, vibrating foam roller, whatever I've found within my own experience, if I get it within like the sweet spot window of, you know, within let's say 12 hours after I exercise that the next day's muscle soreness is so much less. Has the research also found that to be true? Yeah, so um, most of the research uses an application time of one hour post-exercise, um, which create in a research setting whether that's practical to do. I guess we'll talk about that later. Yeah. In, in a research setting, um, an hour application post-exercise, and then on the f- consecutive days, so like past 24 hours, if you can do it twice a day, then you see a significant decrease in uh muscle soreness and fatigue and then all the other sensations that come with DOMS. Um, there's been a few studies that have looked at like delayed applications. So mm-hmm. um, post, typically post 24 hours and you don't see the same reduction in DOMS. Um, so mm-hmm. if, if you can do it as close to the end of your training session is ideal. But yeah, as long as it's kind of less than 12 hours away from the end of your session, you'll, you'll still see the benefits. Yeah, which I've also, this is awesome too, to hear that the research is also finding that because, you know, with my N of one, I have found that to be true as well, that like the closer you can get to it, the better it is. But if you miss, if you're into the next day, it's like, well, just enjoy the ride because it's going to be sore. And then you're just like managing that, you know? Yeah, yeah, a hundred percent. 
if all of the, the DOMS kind of byproducts and sensations have really started to kick in by that point. Um, from a biomechanical and physiological point of view, all of the DOMS-related processes have really started. So if you can do it less than 24, less than 12 even hours um, after your session, then that's good. Yeah. Yeah. And like you're saying that, you know, these different processes that happen with just like the natural part of DOMS, um, when you do a massage gun, foam roller, one of those tools beforehand, I know you're not sore, but is that like negating any of the strength training you're doing? Or is it just helping that recovery piece happen faster? Like how is it working? So the research suggests that it doesn't have a negative impact on any strength or cardiovascular adaptation. So you're not going to lose gains by increasing your recovery. You're just going to make that recovery period shorter. So it's a win-win situation. Um, You should try and do it all the time if you can. Um, You're not going to lose strength or lose fitness or lose gains or anything like that. It's just going to reduce the recovery window and then allow you to get back moving your body even quicker than you would otherwise. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, which has always been my experience too, is like if you feel better the next day, then that day's training session is that much more efficient because you're able to move better and like not necessarily push yourself, but you just have better, you know, body awareness because you're not moving like you're 9,000 years old and everything hurts. Yeah, yeah, definitely. (laughs) Today's episode is brought to you by AE Wellness Mobility Assessments. Not sure what you should be doing for mobility? Well, instead of trying a bazillion things and spending hours a day, get strategic coaching with a mobility assessment with me. You'll get your personalized mobility workout plan with the best mobilizations and activations just for you. Plus, all of your videos will be organized in custom playlists to keep things simple. So here's how it works. You send me a video doing four specific moves. I'll tell you ahead of time what they are, and I'll use that to create your mobility workout plan. We'll meet together for two video calls. The first one to set up the plan, make sure I'm covering everything you need. And the second will be a few weeks later for any questions or issues that come up. Now here's the best part. You can save $50 off your mobility assessment when you use the code BODYNERD at checkout. So learn more and get started with a mobility assessment by heading on over to aewellness.com mobility. And don't forget, use the code BODYNERD at checkout. All right, let's get back to the episode. How has your training and recovery changed as you have been looking at all this research and doing your own studies? Um, quite dramatically. So before I did the massage gun study, I was using a combination of foam rollers and tennis balls. Um, I found that worked quite well when I could actually stick with it. But I, I, I guess I sometimes found the gains that research suggests you would find but I didn't find them all the time and then when I sat down and did the literature review on massage guns I found that actually there's evidence that they work quite well and I started using them more often I switched from a foam roller to a massage gun yeah I use that twice a day pretty much every day and then on this study um some of some of the results are hard to replicate uh, obviously, you can't do stuff like cryotherapy that easily from home compared to like a foam mm-hmm. roller. Um, but yeah, definitely some of the results I'm going to take away and use. I'm probably going to switch what recovery method I do and how often I do it, um, which is exciting. Mm-hmm. means, yeah, I'm going to get over those strength and fitness plateaus even easier. 
And I do have to say, as also someone who has gotten into the recovery piece, because I've been doing this for 10 years now, and most people come to realizing that recovery is an important piece in their, you know, older year, older, like over 30, right? When you no longer can outrun injuries. And like, honestly, what a benefit to you and your training that you are doing all of this at a younger age, which is just going to put you at such a better advantage than all of your peers who are still like, I'm invincible, you know? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think the earlier you can take recovery seriously, the the better. Um, you, can, you can only, well, you can't outrun injuries at all, but you can only kind of get away with outrunning injuries for so long before they all catch up with you. Um, and we, we want to be able to move our bodies for as long as possible um, whilst being kind of pain-free. Um, so yeah, recovery is really important for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A hundred percent. Well, also too, in what you said, you know, even if I'm in the car on the way to a, a race or whatever, like yep. using recovery at that piece too, because for most of us, right, we're at a desk all day or we're at a workstation all day. And then we're like, great, well, I'm just going to like squeeze in this quick boxing class at lunch or like after work and then go home. And like, I don't know why my shoulders hurt and my neck hurts. It's like, well, let's talk about how you spend most of your day moving or not moving. And recovery is such an integral part that's easy to fit in that I think most people miss the mark with. Yeah, definitely. For me, it's always my hip flexors. I, I, I really, really feel it. If I've been in the library all day revising or working on a research paper, I go to jump on my bike and yeah, hip flexors are screwed from sitting down all day. Um, mm-hmm. So take recovery seriously. yes your hip flexors which is like also everyone just again from sitting and then for you right your main athletic piece is also sitting yet your legs are moving there's a lot of sitting in there (laughs) so i know you said you do before and after but like what does the research say about like how much time we actually have to spend foam rolling or massage doing massage for it to be effective okay so this is kind of recovery method dependent for Recovery methods that don't change temperature, so I, e.g. like anything that's not cryotherapy or um, cold water immersion or hot water immersion, anything other than that, mm-hmm. about 10 to 15 minutes. And that's not just 10 to 15 minutes on one muscle group. Say you did, I don't know, a leg session in the gym. You want to spend 10 to 15 minutes, but within that, you want to be doing like 30 seconds to a minute on each calf, each hamstring, each quadricep, and then go like almost as a cycle, repeat that over and over again for the 15 minute duration. So only like 30 seconds is all that's needed, which isn't very much. So it's like, you know, in that 10 minute window, you can cover a lot of ground area and you're just whittling away all of the excuses and reasons that we come up with of why we don't have time to do recovery. Yeah, <laughs> There's nothing left. We must be doing this. <laughs> yeah. Um, you can, I guess people overestimate how much recovery you need. Yeah. Um, if, if you can find a way to make it a consistent part of your practice, that, that's really good. The research from this, this research paper suggests that basically anything is better than nothing. Yeah. So if you compare them all to a control group, so passive recovery, which is basically not doing anything, they all have a positive effect on recovery. So yeah, just 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 do it. Like, <laughs> I get it. At the end of a workout, it's difficult. It's the last thing you want to do. Just do it, especially if you're if it's like a, a late workout and you're gonna go like to sleep like straight after your workout, or you're gonna sit for a long period after your workout. Just just do it. You'll feel better the next day, and you'll thank yourself. So yeah, just mm-hmm. do it. 
Yeah. And you make a really great point too, of just like, you know, getting into the habit first. Cause I know we're talking about the research and we're talking about ways in which you can overcomplicate it, but honestly, just getting over that hump of doing something. So for people listening who are just like, Oh, I don't know. This feels like too much. Like just grab your massage gun, grab a foam roller, grab a pair of balls, whatever it is, and just do something every day. And after every training session, and then you can start to, you know, refine it and get more specific with it. But that getting started piece, like you're saying is for sure the hardest part. So like, however you can make it as simple as possible, just do it. And then we can start to make it more complicated, you know? Yeah, definitely. Um, just, just start somewhere. Um, most commercial gyms have foam rollers. You can buy them pretty easily from, from most shops or online. Um, they're a, a safe bet for kind of all ways that we can measure recovery at this point in time. Um, so yeah, they're, they're easy to use. There's loads of tutorials online on how to use them to just, just get started really. Yes. Well, also I have a bodywork starter guide, which is how to use therapy balls or tennis balls. So we do, we have all the resources here for you. So just get started. Yeah. As, as you said, it's kind of make that practice a habit is a difficult part, but kind of once you've done it for a week or two, it becomes a habit and just got to stick to it from there on. Yeah, definitely. Now, what about like the difference between foam rollers, massage guns? Because I get that question a lot. Most of the content I put out is with therapy balls because that's my chosen you know, choice of tool. I also realize as I'm talking to you, I need to contact my massage gun company because I lost the charger, which is one of the downsides of a massage gun. It's yeah. now just a useless tool in my closet. Why did you make the shift from foam rollers to massage guns? And what are the like the benefits that we can only get from a massage gun? Uh, okay, so I guess to answer that question, you kind of need to have a look at what DOMS is. Um, and when we talk about DOMS, it stands for delayed onset muscle soreness. It's basically the, the feeling or sensation you have after intense exercise. And so some of the primary symptoms of DOMS are an increase in muscle tenderness or soreness, an increase in blood lactate levels, an increase in creatine carnase activity, a decrease in range of motion, a decrease in muscular force or strength, and a general decrease in athletic performance. Mm-hmm. Um, and so those are kind of the main ways that we can measure recovery from an academic or scientific point of view. Those are kind of our outcome measures that we use um, to gauge whether something works, like if one device works better than another, basically. Um, and so for some of those outcome measures, specifically range of motion, I found that a massage gun is way better than a foam roller, which kind of makes sense. You can get a massage gun into more places than you can get a foam roller into on your body um, just Mm -hmm. because of the the compact size of of a massage gun. Well, does the vibration really make that big of a difference? Like even if you're using like one of those vibrating foam rollers, is like that the magic piece of it? Um, Okay, so the research from other studies and the data from this research study that I've done shows that vibrating foam rollers are better than normal foam rollers. So if you can get a vibrating one, they're really good. But interestingly, all of the different ways to measure recovery produce a different, like, best device. It doesn't seem like there's one device that's a golden bullet for recovery, if you like, which is quite unfortunate. Right. So... If you were looking at just muscle soreness, which is, I guess, what most people would look at, a vibrating foam roller or a foam roller is the best device that you could use to kind of combat the increase in muscle soreness that you get from DOMS. 
And then if you were looking at, um, so there's a thing called a CMJ, which is a counter movement jump, which is in research, we basically use that to measure athletic performance or changes in athletic performance. It's, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a jump test. Mm, yeah, yeah. It's, it's how high can you jump? Right. Um, and so uh, there's a lot of studies that have looked at the effect of different recovery interventions on uh, CMJ or, or jump height performance. And so um, post-ultrasound is a bit of a left-field recovery technique. Not many people have either heard of it or used it. Yeah. Um, Just have an ultrasound machine hanging around your house. Yeah, yeah exactly. So some of, the, some of the ones in research are they're great in a research context, but... Are you, you actually going to find them in like a commercial gym or you're right. going to be able to get hold of them? But um, post-ultrasound works really well for jump performance, but also compression socks work really well. And compression socks, you can, exactly, yeah. so compression socks you can get hold of really, really easily. They're quite cheap. And there's not a huge amount of difference between compression socks that you can just buy off the shelf like on Amazon or whatever right. versus like custom-fitted compression socks that are specific to your leg shape or size. So that's really good. You can just, they're quite accessible and they're quite easy to find. They're relatively cheap. So you can just whack a pair of those on and they're pretty decent for increasing recovery, especially any jump-based performance. So if you're doing lots of lots of jumping in your sport, so netball, basketball, um, athletics, any mm-hmm. sport or activity where you jump loads, compression socks are very, very good for recovery. Did you find any research too on, I'm thinking of those like compression, they're almost like pants where they're, you know, you plug them into the wall and it's like providing the like pulsating air kind of thing. I mean, you could do that, but also what you're saying is like compression socks also are beneficial too. Yeah. So the ones that pulse are, um, the main brand is Normatech, um, Normatech mm-hmm. boots. Um, yeah. And, and literally as you've just described, so listeners will probably be able to see the actions that you've just done, but um, effectively they, they pulse uh, most of them pulse air around your leg, which creates like a compression effect. They're yeah. not as good as compression socks when you look at the data from research papers. And they're also very, very expensive um, yeah. and very hard to get hold of and quite difficult to use. Um, they have to be <laughs> plugged in for you to use them. So if you're traveling like to and from events or even at home, they're not the best thing to use. So I'd, for that, I just stick to normal compression socks. Yeah. I love that too, that research. I mean, and that's the whole point, right? You have to whittle it down to just a few variables so you can actually look at, you know, how the variables are affected. And so I think it's so interesting that like, okay, if we're just talking about soreness, then, you know, foam rollers and vibrating foam rollers are helpful. If it's just your, you know, your jump, then compression socks. But I hope what, you know, the listener is taking away from this is just do something and something is better than nothing. And you can get complicated with it. But I think, you know, if you're using your massage tools on a fairly regular basis consistently, then you're going to be feeling a whole lot better and research supports that too. Yeah, definitely. If you're in elite sport or you're at the really pointy end of competition, then yeah, what recovery device you have could potentially be the difference between winning and losing. But for the average population, doing something is definitely, definitely better than doing nothing. Yeah. So yeah, just just do something to try and recover. And this is also why drivers on the F1 grid have performance coaches who are thinking of all these things. And then for the rest of us, we can just be like, okay, I'm going to roll on a therapy ball. I'm going to grab my massage gun now. And it's good enough for us. Okay. It's good enough. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
Awesome. Well, any last, like, like any recent, even like aha moments you've had about recovery that have really shifted how you approach it that can be helpful for people listening? I guess just back to making it a habit, try and time, getting the timing post uh, exercise or post physical activity is the most important. So ideally, if you can get it in within a one hour window of the end of your session or your physical activity, then that's ideal. The kind of anything within that 12 initial 12 hour window is really good and then repeating it on consecutive days you have those all of the like the feelings that you get from dogs yeah so all the increased all the increased muscle soreness all of the decreased physical performance yeah just just make it a habit and stick with it and kind of as you said at the beginning ride the wave and eventually you'll see some kind of increase in performance Yeah. Okay. Well, see, I'm feeling super hopeful too. And I loved what you also said that the research is supporting as well, that it's not just, you know, immediately after your workout or your athletic performance or like whatever, but again, that consistency overall is going to continue to make a change. So for all of us, if, you know, we have been thinking about doing it and we're like, well, maybe I should be a little bit more consistent. Jack, you've just provided us 5 trillion reasons about why we should be more consistent (laughs) with what we're doing. So thank you for that. Yeah, definitely. You have to use your recovery technique or recovery intervention on consecutive days after your workout. You can't just use it once and expect kind of this magical golden bullet of um, increased recovery. It has to, yeah, it's great if you can do it within the first hour, but you have to keep on doing it on the consecutive days. You have all of those feelings that are related to uh, delayed onset muscle soreness. Yes. Well, that's unfortunate that I can't just wave a magic wand and then it's all fixed. If only you could do that. I know, right? You mean I have to like maintain my body on a regular basis? Who knew? (laughs) Well, thank you so much, Jack, for taking the time to share your research and studies and wisdom with us. I know it is probably past your intellectual hard thinking time over there in the UK. So where can people come? If um, We're going to link to your research study in the description and show notes. Where can we keep up with what you're doing and what you're studying as time goes along? Well, that's a good question. I guess if you're on the super nerdy end of the spectrum, um, (laughs) I guess I can plug my LinkedIn, which is where most of my research, I talk about most of my research. I used to be somewhat active on Twitter, not really anymore. But I guess you could plug my Instagram. We'll put it in like show notes or we'll put it in the bio somewhere. Yeah. And yeah, I talk about a lot of my research on there. And you can also see how I actually use all of these recovery techniques in practice, which is the important part. Okay, awesome. Now here's another related off topic sort of like what's next for you once you have finished your master's degree? Like, are you going to become an F1 performance coach? Is that the goal? (laughs) Um, Okay, so I have one more major research project I'm working on for my master's, um, which I probably can't talk too much about. No secret. You'll come back when it's done. (laughs) Yeah, we'll we'll come back in like, what, seven, eight months and we'll come back and talk. I'll be here. Yeah, okay. (laughs) Um, So yeah, I've got that to do and then... I don't know, to be honest. I'm considering doing a PhD. I'm considering working in applied sports science, like away from performance sports. So within the UK, there's a lot of, I guess, areas of applied sports science for like the army or different industries that aren't specifically performance sport. Um, But yeah, I guess like the the dream goal for most people anyway is, is performance sport. And at some point, I would like a job that enables me to travel. So Formula One would be ideal. So it's a lot of travel, but it looks so cool. (laughs) Like going going to a different country, like every like two weeks or whatever it is. 
and it looks cool. And it's a high pressure environment, which I know works well for me. So yeah, if anybody knows anybody in F1, get them in contact with me because I'd like a job in F1. Yeah, do it. And then I'll be like, hey, Jack, can I come hang out? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I'll get you free tickets to races. Yeah, here we go. Here we go. Okay. Well, awesome. I'm serious too. When you finish what you're working on, like we are always here to nerd out with what you're finding because, you know, I have opinions and it's always great when science backs them up. So I'm here for it. So thank you so much for spending the time um, enlightening us with your nerdy wisdom. I really appreciate it. Thank you. So I can tell you as I'm recording this closing, since having my conversation with Jack, it's been about a week or so now. I am using my massage gun all the time just for the quick, you know, post-workout, just get it done and then doing more detail work with my therapy balls later. So do you need a massage gun? No, they're quick and easy. I do like them. Again, episode 126 is all about massage guns. If you really want to go into a deep dive, it's fast and easy, but for deeper, more detailed, specific work, that's where I love to bust out my therapy balls too. But I will link to my favorite massage gun. I will link to episode 126. I will link to everything, including Jack's research study that's coming out. All of that will be linked for you at aewellness.com slash podcast. And I want to hear from you. What was your biggest takeaway from today's episode? What was that thing that made you go, wow, or that thing that you're going to start putting into practice? So take a quick screenshot, tag me on Instagram. I'm at Hala Famala. You can find the show at Body Nerd Show, or you can leave a message on the Body Nerd Hotline and let me know what you learned too. That works for me. That number is 818-396-6501. And like I mentioned, show notes, fun links, downloads, Body Nerds Group, all things podcast related. If you want to refer back to something, live over at AE wellness.com slash podcast. Now, if you learn something and you're putting it into practice and it is making a big difference for you and you don't want to tag me on Instagram, that's fine. You could also leave it in a, a review. I was going to say five-star review because I really would prefer it. If it's not five stars, you could just keep it to yourself. No, I'm just kidding. Anyways, don't forget to subscribe to the show if you haven't already. Leave a review. Share this episode with someone who needs to know about recovery and soreness and that soreness doesn't have to be a life sentence. You know the drill, and I'm so appreciative when you take the time to do it. So here's to asking better questions, moving more, recovering like a boss, and getting nerdy. And thank you for helping me spread the word that your body is super cool, and you, my friend, can change the unchangeable. I'll talk to you next week. Pain stops you in your tracks, and body work is one of the fastest and most effective ways to deal with it. I've put together a free PDF with the six places you need to roll right now for quick relief. Plus, the reason why what you've tried so far has only given you a temporary fix. So whether it's back pain, plantar fasciitis, neck tension, shoulder pain, or tight hips, I've got you covered. And when you download it now, I'll also send you some video demos to get you started even faster. Head on over to aewellness.com slash bodywork, that's B-O-D-Y-W-O-R-K, to get started today.